0: Hey, Luke, I want to do a uh, Mad Libs with you. Oh, okay. All right. Give me a preposition. Within. Okay. Give me something that's really big, a noun, something that's really big.
1: Uh, Boulder.
0: Now give me an adjective. Dirty. <laughs> give, give
1: me a different adjective. Uh, uh, Handsome. That was the first one. I didn't <laughs> want to use that one, and so I tried to think of another one, but I went with my first one.
0: Okay, now give me a verb in the present tense.
1: Uh, hiking, I, I know, rock, dirty hiking. It's all too. I'm kind of okay. Whatever. Well, that's, that's what I came up. That's about. progressive, that's, though. That's like that's uh, that's my first thought. Best thought. Word association. Okay, so I'll just put hikes. Give me another adjective. Uh, fancily.
0: No, yeah, fancy. <sighs> fancy. And one more adjective. Uh, Purple. All right. So the finished product, these are actually uh, lyrics to a praise and worship song that you just (laughs) mad-libbed. Oh, no. All right. So here's what we have. You said, within, dirty, handsome, hikes, fancy, purple. So the finished product is, god of wonders within our boulder. You are dirty, handsome. The universe hikes your majesty. You are fancy, purple.
1: (laughs) All right, well, that was a failed experiment. Uh... (laughs) Welcome, neighbors, to another episode of the Praise and Broship Podcast, where two best friends and deconstructed Christians deconstruct praise and worship music, as well as other forms of Christian and secular media. As former praise and worship musicians and students of theology, we will do our best to bring you unique, lighthearted, and hopefully insightful conversations to you each week. My name is Luke, and I'm recording in Florida, and I am joined by my best friend CJ recording in Louisiana. CJ, how's your walk? It's, um, It's going okay, man. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I've been I've been really busy. Lots of lots of stuff going on. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll talk about it sometime on the podcast. You know what I'm talking about, but yeah, uh, I try to I try not to be super vague and ambiguous on the podcast. But some things are better left not to talk about right now. But yeah, I've you know we talked about it just a second ago, man. But I feel like I might be getting sick. I know you mentioned like you you hope you're not getting sick. So if my voice kind of gives out or anything during the episode, I apologize. But man, I've just You're had like to a it. I've just <laughs> yeah, my voice does crack a lot on the podcast. But my my throat has been sore for the last couple of days. So uh but the weather here has just been nuts. I mean, it was ninety degrees one week and then this weekend it got like in the twenties and it, it's just oh, wow. been it's just been wild. So uh when I woke up this morning to take the baby to daycare it was 25 degrees outside so it is just it's been a really really big swing in temperature and climate you know just like rain and pollen really bad pollen before the rain and everyone's already planted their gardens and their perennials and stuff for the year or for the season and i'm sure all of those are, are pretty messed up right now because we did have such a late frost slash freeze for some people but i did okay I wanted to just really briefly rant. I don't know if you've noticed this, but because we've been doing so many Christian songs, praise and worship songs, and one of the things that we like to do on the podcast is read comments from YouTube videos or from Genius or wherever we're doing our research. One thing that I've noticed is that on Christian songs, inevitably there will be someone, at least one person, that says something along the lines of, I'm not even a Christian, but I like this song, and then (laughs) and then in the process of saying like I had a good friend in junior high and they listened to this song, and even though I'm an atheist, I still like this song, and it just it's it's really cringy to me because it's like it's the old question of if you're a vegan and you do CrossFit, like which one do you tell people about first? And so I think that the that the trifecta of just annoying people would be the people that like are vegan do CrossFit and are also also atheists like which one are you going to tell people about first yeah. Like, you don't have to announce that you're an atheist you can just say hey I really appreciate this song because I don't see it the other way around right on secular songs I don't like really secular songs like uh, abrasive kind of stuff I don't see Christians on there saying, well, I'm a Christian, but I really like Ozzy, you know, or something like <laughs> that. It, it's, I don't know, it's just weird that people feel like they have to announce that. I don't know, are they just trying to make Christians feel better? Are they trying to make themselves feel better? I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that, yeah, but it just bugs I, me. I
1: see what you're saying. At first I was like, well, I don't, I don't really care. But now that you're saying it's like, yeah, if you're an atheist, why are you announcing you're an atheist to say that you like a christian song
0: yeah as if as yeah, if let's, like let's, you can't appreciate a song on its own merits you know and yeah. it, it's like it was specifically it happened with me a lot whenever i was doing some research for the song breakfast by newsboys just ev- like every other comment was well i'm not a christian or i'm an atheist or i don't believe any of this gobbledygook but and it's like you're literally listening to a song about god sending people to hell you yeah. know i mean
1: yeah, how are sense. you
0: appreciating the song in that context yeah is it kind of catchy and poppy sure but i don't it's just weird that they, people feel like they have to announce that and that's just one yeah. song example
1: otherwise i'm good man how are you <laughs> um yeah i earlier just a uh, very recently right even right before we started recording Something came up on social media that I want to talk about, but I haven't had time to research about it. So we'll probably talk about that next week. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm going to write it down now so I don't forget, actually. So what I what I really this is way off topic, has nothing to do with the podcast, (laughs) but it's just it's a funny thought that I had because Brittany and I are. we go back and we kind of rotate through shows. We'll just watch a season of a show, like an older show, and then we'll go to another show and watch a season of that and just kind of rotate through so we're not just, like, binging eight seasons of one show. You know, mm. we'll mix it up. And so right now, we're on a season of The Great British Baking Show on Netflix. And they always do, like, the uh, segments where they talk about the uh, the contestant and their home life. Mm. And uh, they... <laughs> You know, they talk, they, they'll they have people that have partners back home or husbands or wives back home. And whenever they say girlfriend back home or boyfriend back home, I can't help but think, like, how long were they dating before they got the show? Has it been two years? Has it been two months? Was it two weeks? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so at what point do you get to be on the show if you are the boyfriend or girlfriend of the contestant? <laughs> if it, if if literally you guys started dating a week before they got the call uh, are you going to be on are you going to get to be filmed and be on the show forever you know do you have that conversation with your significant other of like yeah but we just started dating I don't know if you should be on the show you know <laughs> like yeah. what is that conversation like <laughs> you know if you've been together for a year sure like chances are you have an idea that you're going to be together longer but if it's only been a couple of months, is it something that you have to have a conversation about? <laughs> yeah, because, like, it's it's out there forever, you know? If exactly. One, you can break up during the show because yeah. you just started dating. <laughs> and, and you're separated. If it's
0: an ugly breakup, then it's, like, even worse, you know? Because... Yeah. Then every it's out there for every forever, you know, and for yeah. Everyone. And part
1: of the story after the sh- after the show comes out is like, yeah. And then they this their significant other was on the show, but they had a really nasty breakup, and maybe it's because of the show or whatever. It's just it seems like a conversation you should have, but you don't want to have ever. <laughs> that just it's just stuff like that that I find endlessly interesting and really can't stop thinking about whenever I get the idea in my head. It's just it's a really fun. Uh, experiment like mental thought experiment to play out yeah so that's been on my mind <laughs> <laughs> <So far. laughs>
0: moving along to our first music segment of the week it's always our christian or praise and worship song it's Luke's week. We had kind of an off week last week with the deep dive on James and the Shame, which I hope you guys enjoyed. We we loved it. I loved it. I can't speak for Luke. But we kind of you know make, made sure that we got going back in our normal rotation. So Luke, what Christian or praise and worship song did
1: you bring? I wonder how long it's been since you've heard this name. Oh. If I'm assuming you, rec- you are going to recognize this name. But the song that I chose is Something Beautiful by... Todd Agnew. Okay.
0: Yes, it's been quite a while uh, since I've heard that name or this song. So we're going to listen to Something Beautiful by Todd Agnew. We'll meet you guys back here in just a few.
1: Welcome back, neighbors. We just listened to Something Beautiful by Todd Agnew. CJ, I'm curious to think. What you thought. Clear to know what you thought. I don't know why I said it that way. What do you think is I think was what I was going for. <laughs> I think that I
0: don't know what to think.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, not, it's not a good song.
0: Lyr- <laughs> it's lyrically, lyrically, it's it's pretty bad. Um,
1: uh, vocally, it's Vocally, okay. it's okay. I see. I, okay. But the, here's the mix. The mix of the vocals of the two different vocals is bad. The mix of the vocals to the instruments is bad. Um, it's. Yeah. Hey, you asked me what I thought, um, and I'm, I'm guessing what you're thinking. What you're thinking?
0: <laughs> oh, okay. I see. Yes, yes. You're you're absolutely. That's you thought correctly. I'm putting words um, in your mouth, but they're well, your own words too. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. It's. Um, hmm. It's so it's it's such a cool little bluesy song. Yeah, and the music it, which yeah. which a lot of Todd's stuff was or is. I, I haven't listened to him in twenty years, so I I can't really speak on uh more recent stuff. But it it's so bluesy and it's 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 good, but then as soon as he starts singing, I'm like, Oh man, I can't and his, his just,
1: vocals can like they go well with the music, but it's like in this particular song at least it's not mixed well. And the lyrics suck. <laughs> uh, you know, they c- it uh, yeah. could work. It really could work. There's potential there, but it just, yeah.
0: It, it just, from, I'd be interested to to talk to a theologian, someone, someone that really can pick apart some of the more theological aspects of praise and worship music, uh, or just a Christian that's maybe more discerning of praise and worship lyrics. Because I'd really be interested to know how this song is even remotely theologically sound. I just, it, it, does, and and that's not, that's coming from someone that's deconverted. That doesn't really consider themselves a Christian anymore. I get it, but it just, uh, I know what, what's in the Bible. I know what the Bible says. I don't, there's no sense of redemption here. Even, Mm -hmm. even in using Jesus as like the, veil which with with which through god would see us and then because of jesus's life and because of his his uh crucifixion and resurrection we're made into this new creation but there's no mention of why god would look upon us in a favorable way it, it just i don't know it there's no sense of redemption yeah, or grace where,
1: here where where in the word of god is any of this stuff actually spoken and speaking of the word oh <laughs> turn it on a dime <laughs> What's the word, CJ?
0: So looking at this, so, I, you know, we always pull up the lyrics, whether you're looking at it on your music streaming app, like Spotify, or I like to pull it up on Genius sometimes. But when you look at the, when you look at the lyrics, there's, it's, dude, I'm not, I'm trying not to look at them anymore, but there's just not a lot of lyrics. There's just not a lot of lyrics, but I'm scared I'm going to go too low. So I'm going to say 58.
1: Not a bad guess. You're a little low. 67.
0: 67, yeah.
1: I need to have a sound effect for whenever you get it exactly right. I've done it a couple times, so it's not a big deal. But when you get it exactly right, I need some like <laughs> foghorns and confetti. And... You're
0: such an asshole. <laughs> 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 yeah, but it would be a fee. But, Which... I mean, 58, yeah. I, I wanted to say the 60s or the 70s, but I just I knew it was going to be higher than my guess, but it's deceptive how Mm -hmm. many words are in there based on how many words were on my screen, because it's just, it's not many. It's not many.
1: Well, yeah, to go back to what you were saying before the, before the, the word guessing segment, it does feel juvenile in a lot of ways, both musically and lyrically. And that it sounds like someone's trying to write a Christian song instead of like saying something that's honest. And You know, using trying to use a lot of words to convey an idea, Mm -hmm. which I know the whole point of the of the what's what's the word game is to make fun of how little words are being used. But I think this is a bad example of using more words. Yeah, because honestly, man, I would have
0: probably guessed in the 30s or 40s, but I just I couldn't get it out of my head that it was enough unique words in there to to hit, you know, almost 70 words yeah, let's we and we've said it before. We we make fun of of that fact, but there are plenty of songs that we love that have very few unique words in them. And sometimes less is more. And when you're writing a song like this, sometimes more could be more if you add a third verse in there that explains from a theological perspective why God is able to look at you when you're completely ugly, as Todd as so eloquently yeah. stated. Uh, but there's no redemption thread in this song. It's just that you think you're ugly and God thinks you're beautiful. And while that's okay for me from a deconstructed kind of perspective, that's you're singing this to people who are trying to be theologically—you're trying to build into disciples— and make theologically, yeah.
1: You're trying to to, <laughs> to to bring people to the faith, and if all you're singing is about how terrible you are and how ugly you are, then why would anybody want to join that faith, like that? Yeah, you know, if you're brought up and it, it's one thing, but you're not going to evangelize with a message of you're terrible and ugly, and the only way that you're can be accepted is by this thing that you can't see or uh, or feel or touch you know in your real life it's, it's it's just gross man it's really really rough you know i'm struggling to find a way to make myself attractive to you is gross on a lot of levels i'm trying to be more deserving it's just like this self-deprecation is way over the top in this song you know it, it's it's funny how like you mentioned it It's funny how i can how all I can be is someone completely ugly. That, like, that, that's such a... It sounds like a poem of, that I wrote in sixth grade. Exactly. That's what I was <laughs> saying is juvenile about yeah. it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not the hip-hop artist juvenile, but... Um, in
0: fact, I probably did write that exact line somewhere in sixth grade. Uh, I'll have to go back and look at my poem books.
1: And it's this... Uh, we're going to get into my notes now. It's this... But
0: that's just because I had acne. <clears throat> the,
1: <laughs> That's why God thought you were ugly. Uh um, and no
0: matter how much deodorant I put on, I couldn't not smell like a like well, a you gotta, you gotta shower been too. Out in the sun for three days. Hey, I showered, man. It was just, you know, puberty. Puberty.
1: <laughs> so yeah, there's this this thought this thought uh, pattern of thought that focuses on, you know, the the wretchedness to use an old hymn uh language that talks about how terrible we are, but yet God sees us as something worth loving. But we tend to focus way more on on our ugliness and our wretchedness than we do about God's love for us. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's that that way of thinking that actually holds us back because we get into this, you know, what some have called uh, like a shame spiral. You know, you, you yeah. have these negative thoughts about what you've done and what you're going to do. And so... Once you have that initial negative thought, that leads to the next negative thought, and the next negative thought, and then it's hard to think of something positive because you're you're just focused on finding all of the negative attributes about yourself, and you can't. It's really hard to come back from that. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So you know, this is what is like a uh, a negative thought pattern, uh, a a spiral. Uh, some this one article that I read called it a a negative thought spiral also known as catastrophic thinking, uh, a series mm. of negative thoughts can f- that can feel overwhelming. Uh, once you're in a negative headspace because of the first thought, it's easier to think of more negative thoughts, like I mentioned a second ago. Even if you're having a great day, one negative thought can make you spiral out of control into negativity and anxiety and shame. The don't want to be completely negative, there's some ways to combat this. One is to recognize the spiral. Mm. You know, once you start noticing, you know, noticing that that you are having that there is such a first of all noticing there is such a thing as a negative thought spiral then you can recognize whenever it's happening to you and once you've recognizing once you recognize that this is a pattern that you have found yourself in you know that's that's the first step to being able to stop it is to be able to acknowledge that it's happening to you so one thing you can do is to take deep breaths you know that's that's beneficial in a lot of different ways both uh psychologically, physiologically, you know, one thing that it does is that it actually makes you in, embody yourself, you know, be present, be with your body, feel your body and not focus so much on the past or the present or sorry, not not so much on the past or the future or all of these thoughts that are going through your head. You're just being with your body in the moment, mm. you know, that, that mindfulness, having compassion with yourself, talking to yourself, you know, people will Often we'll say like, oh, you talk to yourself. We all talk to ourselves. Come on, it's we can admit it now that we all talk to ourselves, whether internally or externally. You know, talk to yourself as as a friend, not as your worst critic. You know, if if you were to have made a mistake, I'd be like, oh, come on, CJ, that's not that bad. Like you've you know, you're you're a good guy. Don't worry about it. But internally, if if I did the same thing, I would be beating myself up about it. So noticing that that is something that you can do is to actually have compassion towards yourself is, you know, kind of an enlightening thing for a lot of people. Me, me too. Yeah. And, and in recognizing that these, these things can, you know, you can find yourself in these patterns by, by acknowledging that you've, that you've been in these patterns before, you can kind of recognize the, the triggers that can put you into that in the future. Um, and you know, obviously, something that we all should probably be doing more of is talking to a mental health professional if this is something that you struggle with. We're not professionals. I'm not, you know, I'm giving some basic advice that I've that I've heard over the years, but please don't take what I'm saying as as mental health advice, you know, this is things that have helped me in the past, but I'm not the same as you. And uh, one one last thing that I wanted to say about this this thing is that I actually, for a brief moment, I wanted to disagree with Richard Rohr. I know heresy, blasphemy, mm-hmm. um, because Richard Rohr says that uh, where is it? Uh, he says that you can you can't think your way into new action. You can only act your way into new ways of thinking. I'm paraphrasing a bit, but yeah. basically, yeah. you can't tell yourself to do something like you can't think your way. Yeah, just repeating it. You can't think your way into a new way of behaving. You can only act in a way that will change the way you think about, you know, how you're acting or the things in your life. And I wanted to, to disagree with that because I was reading some articles that were talking about, you know, how the the power of thought can change your behavior. But then those articles went on to say things like, Oh, we'll start exercising and you'll start having more positive thoughts and,
0: <laughs> you know, <laughs>
1: uh, help others with their problems and it'll, it'll get you out of the cycle of negative thoughts about your own life. And it's like, oh, you're saying it's not about the power of thought. You're saying act and that, you know, act in these other ways and break these habits in your everyday life and doing different things will break your cycle of thought. So you're, you're not actually saying what you're, what the, what the article, you know, title is saying. So I was about to disagree with Richard Rohr. And then I realized, oh, they're saying the same thing he is, but they don't realize that they're saying it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's the old adage fake it till you make it. Oh, yeah. But, but it's so, that's so hard to see through, to follow through with when you're constantly falling back into that, that spiral, that shame cycle, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're like, okay, I'm not a terrible person. God loves me for who I am. And, and I'm just using that. Churchy language because that's what we know uh, and what we have had known for so long. That fake it till you make it. It starts to ring hollow after a while because you say, "Well, I faked it for a few days, and then I did something bad that made me feel ashamed. I was convicted, you know, by the Holy Spirit, and I'm basically back at square one now. I feel like I'm worthless. I'm dirt. I'm I'm less than dirt. I'm the worm that eats the dirt, and yeah it's fake it till you make it is only going to take you so far you there's there's a mindset that has to happen but then there's also action i I think of the whole faith and works thing Mm -hmm. to to use more biblical religious kind of language there where people are hung up on well do you have salvation through faith alone or through works alone no, it's it's a combination of both of those things. But you can't you can't have one without the other. Well, you I would actually
1: say that I mean, this is a completely different <laughs> theological debate, but I would say you have a salvation through neither. But that's like I said, that's a different debate that I don't know if we want to get into now.
0: I, I guess I guess more. I, uh, I see what showing, you're saying.
1: Showing your salvation. Um, yeah.
0: Your 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 salvation being manifest mm-hmm. in the world. It's It really comes back to that dualistic thinking, right? Either or. And that's just not how the world works. It's yeah. not – there's not an either or. There can be both and. That's, that's yeah. inclusion. That's including. That's accepting. Uh, being in the moment, saying yes, and not trying to blot out one for the other.
1: So a quick anecdote is – Uh, Last weekend, Brittany and I were doing uh, one of the Hunt of Killers boxes, Mm -hmm. you know, and right before we sat down to to do it, I started feeling an intense anxiety and I have no reason to be anxious about anything. My my painting class is over. I have no schoolwork. I have no (laughs) nothing like that. Nothing looming over me about anything. And I just felt an intense anxiety that I didn't know where it was coming from and I didn't know what to do about it. And I had heard that physical exercise could help alleviate that. So I was like, well, okay, well, while she's reading through all these different things in the box and trying to figure out this mystery, I was going to get two dumbbells and start moving them around. <laughs> literally had no plan. Uh, I, had, I wasn't doing three sets of 10 reps of this or whatever. I just started, I held them in my hands and I just started moving my arms around and I would do a few of these and a few of those and a couple of squats and a couple of lunges and... Uh, until my muscles got tired. And it's was like, wow, the anxiety has gone. And that's hmm. just one story of that. But now that I know that that's something that I can do, when I do start to feel that anxiety coming on, it's like, okay, well, do some pushups, <laughs> you know, just walk, walk yeah. around, do something, walk the dog even, you know, so I kind of have that in my quiver now where I've experienced it firsthand very recently. So, If I feel that I'll, I'll try it again, you know, and that's, these are the, these are tools that, you know, that I was talking about before that once you recognize it, and once you've recognized something that works, you have another tool in your belt. So, you know, keep expounding on that, keep trying new things and you will have more tools. And then eventually, hopefully, I don't, I don't know, (laughs) but hopefully I, I would think that even if the anxiety doesn't go away, at least it becomes easier to deal with.
0: Yeah, one of one of my one of my biggest issues when it comes to having some difficulty whether it's anxiety or str- you know stress, those types of things, the biggest thing that I've had to work through with therapy and even just in those in the moment in those real-time situations, I will shut down. I don't I don't get anxious or I don't get angry or raise my voice or anything. I will just Pull the covers over my head and, and go into my little shell and shut completely down. Hmm. And not even a situation where, uh, "Give me a second, I need to think about this," and then walk away. It's just I go completely silent. And I've worked on that over the years to to be more vocal because if I do need time to process the situation of what's going on right then. I'm good to talk with pe- to talk to the other person and say I need to process this give me a second give me a couple minutes let me walk away and think about it and it it could it's it fill in the blank with any kind of problem that has happened in life you know uh, however mundane it might seem but I have to remember not to shut people off So being able to give an explanation and to verbalize, I'm not shutting down, I'm internalizing it and I need to formulate a response, whether it's a verbal response or a physical response, emotional, whatever, I need to, to process that. Give me a sec. That's something that, that has helped me immensely in relationships, both romantic, platonic, familial, right? That... Those things where I can say, I need a minute, have, have helped me a lot. So that's, that's one thing that I do is just to be able to say, give me some time to figure this out. Because when I shut down, when I would shut down, I wasn't shutting down, I was shutting the other person off. Yeah. Inside I'm struggling and I'm, I'm grappling with these thoughts and with these ideas. But as, as Dr. Heath would say, I'm struggling, wrestling and grappling with those thoughts and how I want to make my next move, so to speak. But now I can say that's why I'm, I got, I'm getting quiet mm-hmm. and that's a huge, that makes a huge difference with people.
1: In, yeah. Cause in, in being able to, being able to vocalize that and not just shutting down. It's a difference between building a, uh, a brick wall and building a wall with a door or a gate in it. You know, you're not, yeah. you're setting boundaries Without shutting people out completely. And and you may not be doing that internally, but the other person may see it as that because you're not offering anything yeah. up to let them know that there is an open door at some point or there's a door there at all and that the door will be opened at some point. They just see the wall and in, an impenetrable wall, you know, and, and that can sh- be damaging to the relationship.
0: Yeah, I love that imagery. And and I should also mention that works not just in relationships with others, but also with yourself. Because sometimes when something happens and it's affecting you, it's something you're, you're thinking, you're feeling, you're experiencing. Sometimes you need that time to process and you have to be okay with taking that time to process. You know, we, we spent so much of our youth being taught that if you can't process something, you know, pray to God, pray. Pray. Pray about it, and what what they were saying was more: you need to ask God for guidance. But I would say, if you are going to pray or meditate on it, it needs to f- factor into: I'm processing this, and I need time to work through it. So it can also it it's not just working in relation in a relational aspect with with other humans. It, it can also work with yourself and your inner thoughts. And feelings and emotions that we all have on a moment-to-moment basis.
1: Now, are you saying? I, I guess I'm trying to understand what you mean by that. Are you saying that in the in the sense of the imagery of the gate with the door in it? I'm sorry, the the wall with the door in it, or like talking about in your inner works, like your works within yourself. Like, I guess I don't understand what you what you mean. No,
0: I'm I'm just making the point that sometimes you need time to process, to fully process something that's, that, that you're feeling inside of you at that moment versus just saying, I'm going to tamp it down uh, okay. <laughs> and, and try to, try to suppress it. You need to be able to, we, which we all do. We all, it, it can be something really simple and you're angry because you get cut off in traffic. What are you going to do? Are you going to let that that emotion dictate how the next moments go Mm -hmm. are you going which is a way of kind of holding it are you going to take a breath say it's not really a big deal nobody got hurt whatever in the grand scheme of things that person hopefully arrives at their destination safely and i do too or are you going you know are you going to need time to process that anger or that resentment or whatever
1: yeah cuz I can see I can see the idea both the ideas of oh I'll just I'll 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 just give that one to God and he'll take care of it or you know nobody like you said nobody got hurt um I hope they're okay where that could all be versions of suppression like burying it down bottling it up and not dealing with it
0: yeah are you really dealing with it you know yeah. are you really like why did that make me angry mm-hmm. not oh you know, the Bible says that I shouldn't complain. That I should forgive. Or, you and, know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But or are you saying, wow, that really pissed me off. Why did I get so upset about that? Yeah. Why is that such a big deal?
1: I'm acknowledging that no one got hurt and that everybody's OK and everybody makes mistakes. But what about that interaction between two pieces of metal and plastic made me so angry? Why? Why does that matter to me so much? And that's yeah, what dealing is it? with it?
0: what does it say about you what yeah. does it say about you uh, it's, don't don't worry about the other person involved in that whole scenario that this this silly kind of scenario about traffic where you need to worry about yourself you need to figure out what it's saying about you uh did something happen earlier that morning did something happen earlier that week did you know wh- wh- where's this coming from why what it, why did i react that way what does that mean about me? Ask those questions, have those difficult conversations, whether it's with someone else or with yourself, but sometimes you do need that time to process.
1: Yeah. And uh, we, I don't know, I have a lot I want to say about that, but one thing that I would like to admit, something that I've been thinking about a lot is the, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the instances of traffic that we've been talking about lately and you know whether <laughs> or not people are bringing their carts back to the to the cart yeah. space in the at the grocery store it's like for me or like you know boxing in people who are trying to zoom in and out of traffic or people who take who use the turning lane to zoom up ahead and then cut in at the last minute and get out of the turning lane and get into uh the main line of traffic is i have a problem with in fairness you know things you know i'm i'm doing the right thing and just staying in my lane and other people are subverting the rules they're technically you know, still obeying the laws of traffic, but they're kind of cheating, and that and that kind of stuff really infuriates me. And w- I don't know why that makes me so angry. You know, other people can just let that roll off their back. It's like, well, they're doing their own thing; it doesn't affect what I'm doing. But for me, it's like, no, they should be following the same rules that I'm following. Yeah. And it's and it really aggravates me that that they can't just be patient. And we're all in, on the same road together. We're all trying to go somewhere. They're not more special than I am they think they're more special than I am and they're not. And then I, I just like, I <laughs> get, I get into that spiral. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what I've been thinking about and dealing with a lot lately is like, why does that bother me so much? And I okay. don't have an answer. <laughs> you ever so. just
0: been passed by passed by someone going, they were going way too fast. And there's a lot of speed trap towns in Louisiana <laughs> for those of you who may not know. And when someone passes me going real fast through one of them towns, I'll go. Oh man, you you better you go on ahead, buddy. Go you go yeah. for it. And I have audibly cheered and clapped when I see someone get pulled over on the yeah. other side of town. It's I only will, happened it's I only will,
1: happened a couple of times, but yeah, I get so happy. Like I get euphoric. I will not deny that I, I get euphoric whenever whenever someone who sped past me gets. Uh, pulled over and I, I get way too much pleasure out of it it's not healthy <laughs> it's really not that, healthy yeah
0: no that's something I have to work on I fully admit that but yeah you have to you do you have to ask those questions and in the moment you're just like told him I mean I didn't tell him because he, <laughs> he couldn't hear me hear talking me, but
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> told you so
0: <laughs> it's almost like you want it's like you're dishing out the justice you're like don't yeah. do that yeah. even though you don't see me wagging my finger and you can't hear me but that is interesting, uh, I, it does feel I like you.
1: I was the one who who dealt them their hand, even though I had nothing to do with it. It's yeah. such a weird psychological phenomenon that happens in that, but anyway, we've kind of gotten away from the song. I don't really have anything else to say c j what about you?
0: You know looking over the lyrics there's a there's a lot of like kind of gross imagery like you talked about, especially in the the first verse the The one thing I will say is that they they Todd Agnew, he he does mention in the chorus, you you don't see a wretch, you see a reflection of something beautiful, and I, I appreciate the fact that he's yeah hearkening back to the image of God there and being created in the image of God. It's just it's weird. That, it's under
1: it's undercut severely by all the other lyrics yeah, around it.
0: Everything else around it, it just it doesn't I'm searching for the water that can wash me clean enough to earn your love. Like that's literally the next line. Yeah. It doesn't and then the I can't believe you could fall in love with me is that final line. What what? I, I mean you you're literally saying I I'm created in your you I'm reflecting your image. I'm reflecting your being. You, you are seeing something beautiful when you look at me, it's, yeah, yeah. we it's a, talked it's about a, that. Yeah. That's, that just, it's an internal con- yourself down yeah. into the ground, man. It's an internal it's,
1: conflict that you can't really see until you're outside of it, you know?
0: Yeah. Mm. It's, it's so weird. I that, will,
1: I will say to, to end this segment, I was going to do a different artist and and right before I started looking, well, earlier today, I looked into it and I looked into the the artist himself, as opposed to the song that I was going to do, and realized that he is involved in a scandal. So again, always oh. <laughs> always search the artist that you want to do in, with the word scandal into Google. It was Chris Rice, the guy who did the What If Cartoons Got Saved and Smell the Color Nine, and I was going to do Smell the Color Nine, because it talks about some of the same things that we talked about tonight, but... Yeah, apparently I didn't look into it. Apparently, he's was grooming people, you know, grooming underage people when he was younger. And I some, feel
0: like I've heard about this. I know who you're talking about, obviously, but
1: yeah,
0: I, yeah, I feel like I did hear a little bit about that uh, being a being a thing, but I don't really have. So any yeah, information that's part on of the it.
1: part of the reason why a lot of my research was last minute because it's like, oh crap, I really don't want to get into that. I mean, I mentioned it now, but yeah. So, we're going to take a quick break and we will come back with CJ's segment in just a sec. Welcome back, neighbors. It is CJ's segment. Now, uh, he has brought us a secular song this week. So, CJ, what do you have for us?
0: Well, I really struggled to pick a song by this artist, and I've really been in my feelings lately for uh, a couple of different reasons, but I picked a song called Fourth of July Hmm. by Sufjan Stevens. I
1: knew that was coming whenever you talked about the artist
0: yeah yeah so
1: yeah i uh i don't know if i know this song i may have heard it before but we are going to take a listen to fourth of july by Sufjan stevens hopefully you do too and we will meet you back here in just a few
0: welcome back neighbors you just listened to Fourth of July by Sufjan Stevens. Luke, you said you had actually heard this one before. What did you think about this version? Because I don't think you had heard this version before.
1: No, I I hadn't. Um, and I'll I'll get to that in a bit. But one, I wanted to say, or two two things I wanted to say was mm-hmm. I don't know where you're going to go with this, but <laughs> uh, this song there's there's so much. I mean, there's you could write a lot about you can comment a lot about just the last 2 minutes of the of the song but there's so much lyrically here that you could write a minimum of a 15 page essay on on mm-hmm. all on mm-hmm. everything that he's talking about and it really does juxtapose the song that I chose that kind of just keeps hammering on the same nail over and over and something that I noticed that I forgot to mention in my song is that the the <laughs> too the, soon <laughs> the the oh the uh, the meter, the, the the lyrical meter of the song that I chose is just jarring. It just doesn't work. It feels awkward. Mm. Whereas he's going into much more complex ideas, but the meter and the flow of the lyrics with the music just works really, really well. You know, mm-hmm. speaking of the, the the words as an instrument also really just fits well with the structure of the music. And the song that I chose really fails at that. It just does not, the, the word flow does not match w- with, with, what is sa- with with what would be satisfying going along with the music. Yeah. And so I, I did want to ask you, again, I don't know where you're going to go with this, but I wanted it before we get into it, I wanted to ask you why you chose for us to listen to the live version versus the studio version.
0: Yeah, good question. Um, so the main difference is that the ending of the live version is just so drastically different that last like two minutes is totally different so the studio version ends with him just softly fading out saying you know we're all gonna die and he just does that over and over again and then it just ends and the live version it's just insane how that changed because i cannot express to you how First of all, how important the album is that this song is on, the the studio version. Carrie and Lowell is the name of the album, which are the names of his mother and his stepfather. In the album, you talk about being able to write a 15-page essay on just this song. That whole album yeah, could figured, be its own podcast. I figured. Uh, just, just that album. So much imagery. So much. He loves to use mythological imagery in a lot of songs, and so you can go into the Greek and Roman mythologies. And he's a brilliant songwriter. This is one of the dare I say simpler songs on the record in terms of kind of being able to navigate the things he's saying, but there's so much meaning double and triple meanings behind a lot of the things he says. But yeah, the, the live version, the first time I heard it just absolutely, I was completely blown away because you can actually watch the entire live concert on youtube if you want to go on there type in Sufjan Carrie and lowell live it's an hour and a half long and it's it's just this really great reimagining and reworking of some of these songs because Carrie and lowell musically speaking the album is very straightforward some piano keyboards a lot of acoustic guitar maybe some banjo and things like that in there but it's very in some electric guitar here and there but it's mostly just Sufjan with a microphone and a couple of instruments. And it's so effective because of how stripped down it is, because the couple of projects that Sufjan had done up to that point of Carrie and Lowell were very layered and Mm -hmm. busy and just so lush, these giant soundscapes. And just to hear him kind of strip things back and go as minimalistic as he possibly could was a really, really bold choice but it works because of the content of the record because the record is basically just all about his mom who passed away before he wrote these songs and his relationship with her and again that could be its own podcast episode describing some of the dynamics with his relationship with his mom and it's a lot of tragic stuff that happened and this album is him reminiscing on some of the memories he had uh, with her, with his stepfather and how he's processing the death of his mother from anything from substance abuse to uh, suicidal ideations, obviously a lot of depression and darkness. And there's something really uh, profound in taking some, some, a subject like this, that's just so devastating and so, layered but to strip back all the layers and to just give you a guitar and a microphone plug you in and just play the song and that's what he does on on this record carry and low but the yeah the live version is just that ending is just it's it's chaotic but as he keeps beating you over the head mm-hmm. with this idea that we're all going to die we're all going to die it becomes a mantra and the thing for me is what began to happen was because he repeats that we're all going to die we're all going to die way more times than he does on the studio version it goes from a sense of foreboding and darkness to a place of embracing the unknown because you know the whole point here is that we don't we don't know what happens when we die we can't we can't know that we say we have faith in something or we believe that something happens or we go somewhere when we die, but we don't know. But one thing we do know is that all of us are going to die. We're all going to die. And there's there's something communal about that and obviously universal about that. Even the universe will die. And it takes you into from this like, okay, he's beating me in the head with this. And I, all I feel is despair to, for me, it became more hopeful than it was hopeless at the at the start of the song.
1: Yeah, he um so I want to say this is probably the the idea of the song is the most frequent thing that is in my thoughts and yet it's my least favorite subject of conversation. <laughs> it's always on yeah. my mind. I think about it if, you know, 80% of every day and I think that's a lot of where my anxiety comes from. But I do want to say that it is, I thought it was an interesting choice with the live version specifically. I don't remember the studio version, but as he's really leaning into that mantra, as you say, of we're all going to die, that he's actually creating more by, by building the sound and giving you more, uh, you know, as he's leaning into it, like it, it's kind of like an interesting juxtaposition. I use that word too much. But, you know, he's saying that, that everything's going to die, but he's building up more. So I, I found that as a, a really, really cool artistic choice. And to say that, yes, we're all going to die, but you can still do something now. You don't have to just sit here yeah. in, in silence or sit here uh, with very minimal ideas of, of uh, being or creation or whatever. You can do something despite the fact that we're going to die. Yeah, so that was a big
0: difference in the live version. And I don't know if you heard it, because on, the lyrics on Spotify don't didn't reflect this, but they were probably just using the lyrics from, from the studio version. But on the studio version, he just says, we're all going to die like a half a dozen times, and then the song fades out. But at the end of the live version, after saying it, <laughs> I don't know, 20 times, the last thing he says in almost a spoken word is he says, but I'm still alive. And for him to say that is something special because of how dark he went after his mother's death yeah. and how how hard that was for him and how hard that would be for any of us who have any semblance of a relationship with one of our parents or both of our parents. That's, that's a horrible thing to go through, but he doesn't leave it at we're all going to die. He, he, he gives you a little bit there of i'm still alive we're still alive we can we can still accomplish something now and like you said and so it's just the song is really sad it is it's so sad but it's all in your approach to how you how you interpret that chant that mantra we're all gonna die does it does it fill you with fear with dread it, I think it's healthy to, to have some fear of that. And I think that people who say they're not afraid of dying are, frankly, full of shit, but at the same time,
1: I'm nodding my head. I don't, that's not good for a podcast, but I was, yes, I agree (laughs) with you,
0: (laughs) but, but, and and that's something that I've had to come to terms with. I will say I'm way less fearful of death today than I was ever as a Christian. Like I was way more afraid of death. As a Christian, I, feel the opposite. I don't, I don't really know why that that was a dynamic. I don't know if it was because I didn't know if I was really saved, you know, quote unquote, or Afraid of the judgment. Whatever. Yeah. Like what, <laughs> how many, uh, what all, what all's Jesus got on me up there at the pearly gates? But yeah, the, so some of the, some of the double meanings on this song, he, he mentions in the first chorus it says, tell me, what did you learn from the Tillamook burn or the 4th of July? We're all going to die. Now, the Tillamook burn was actually a series of fires in, uh, forest fires in uh, Oregon, like north, northern Oregon. And later it became known as Tillamook State Forest. You may have seen Tillamook cheese out on the shelves in your grocery. Ice cream, grocery, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. But so the Tillamook Burns were actually this, they, they were a series of fires. I think there were four, like for sure, fires that, you know, started and it spanned over the course of 18 years from 1933 Jeez. to 1951. And it just destroyed hundreds of thousands of acres. And it was it was a big deal back then obviously the great depression was right around that time so you have to remember that the the biggest industry in that part of the in that part of the US is the timber industry wood and so you're in this great depression and then these people yeah. you know 350,000 acres that get destroyed over the course of almost 20 years i mean it it just it ravaged that area uh and and really kept timber Products at a at an all time high because of that, but I love the double meaning here. So he contrasts the Tillamook burn, which, like I said, lasted for almost twenty years, two decades, to the Fourth of July. So he's using these aspects of fire, but one lasts a long time, and the other one is really fast, right? That flash Mm. of the firework and then it's gone. Yeah, wow. And I love that. That's one of my favorite pieces of imagery in pretty much any of his songs. And it's like I said on a, on the grand in the grand scheme of things, one of the more easily accessible from a lyrical standpoint. Um, now in that second verse, you get, you get a little bit of an idea of where Sufyan's relationship with his mother was because he says sitting at the bed with the halo at your head, Was it all a disguise like junior high? So he's going to see his mother who's dying of, I think she, I think she passed away from a stomach cancer, some, some kind of a cancer. He's so he's at her bedside and his relationship with his mother to put it, I mean, just super condensed and very, very abbreviated. His mother suffered from a lot of mental health issues. She had schizophrenia, depression, just very, very serious depressive moods, and she left Sufyan when he was only a year old.
1: Geez, I didn't know that.
0: And and there's even a line in the song that addresses that uh, a little bit later, or in the second chorus actually, right after that second verse. I'm sorry I left, but it was for the best, though it never felt right. And Sufyan actually has gone on to say that he appreciates that his mother left, that she understood her limits and how she could provide for him and care for him and nurture him in the way that he would need as a baby, as a young child. And it's just fascinating that because it's so easy. I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the podcast, but this is a big pet peeve of mine it's like someone can be the not a not a great person mm-hmm. they they're not a good example to you they're they have issues whatever those issues are they're just a mean person or they're a hypocrite or or they were abusive or they treated people in whatever bad ways you want to fill in the blank there but then when they die they suddenly become an angel and you forget about all of the shit things yeah. that they did this takes a really big mature person to be able to say like that halo was ju- it's just a disguise it, it's not it's not real like you want she's not a saint just because she's about to pass away. Yeah. And and I had to deal with that with my dad. Uh for the listener, my father passed away in 2016. It'll be 7 years in September this year and you know, my dad wasn't there for me. My dad was not a not a good father. He was a good person, but he was a shitty dad. He, he was, he was never there for me. And we were able to build some bridges and mend some fences as it were toward the end of his life. And, uh, you know, one of the last things my dad said to me, uh, before his last stroke, and then he wasn't able to talk after that. And he said, I wish we had more time. That was like one of the last things he said to me. And it resonates because it's like, wow, you know, do I just, do I just forget about all the time that we didn't have together and just say, well, we have this time now. And at the, at that time, Mm -hmm. that was how, that was what I did because it was the most important thing to do at that time was to say, look, you're sick. I'm here to help you. Like, I'm not even going to bring up the fact that you were never there for me when I was sick or never helped my mom with anything, you know, like that wasn't the time and place, but you have to be able to reflect on that later and say, this doesn't absolve them from hurtful and, and bad things that they did. It doesn't just wipe the slate clean, you know, from an earthly standpoint, if you want to believe that they're forgiven or whatever, that's fine. Or if that's what you need to make peace and to move on, that's Mm -hmm. fine. But I had to be able to separate my father from the man because I could say, wow, he was a great man. All of these people would come up to me when he was, when he first got put on hospice and it was kind of a day-to-day situation and they would say, you know, they would tell me these great stories about who my father was. And I was like... (laughs) News to me. Yeah. I would have been nice. Yeah. I would have, I would have rather called him a friend than my father, mm-hmm. you know, but I got neither. And so I guess my point there is that to be able to admit, like, yeah, they're, they're not just, an, they're not an angel just because they left this world and they're gone, that you still, you're going to have to be dealing with that for the rest of your life, you know, and yeah, I, I, wonder don't, if- I don't know.
1: I wonder if that's because we we all know that we're flawed, and we hope that people say only good things about us when we're gone. Absolutely, and so Absolutely. you're you're willing to overlook the faults of someone because you're hoping that someone's going to overlook your your faults whenever you're gone. And that's again, that's that that seems to be a bit of a toxic mentality because. You're hoping people overlook your flaw your flaws and as as opposed to acknowledging your flaws and dealing with them and being the idealized version of yourself so that the only thing people could say about you is, yeah, they fucked up a lot, but they really tried to do the best they could in the end. So And yeah.
0: to Sufyan's, you know, detriment, which I don't and I I love this song. I think it's structured beautifully. The points of view are perfect. As far as I'm concerned, but I, I, I ta- I talked about how Sufyan's so great for being real about the fact that this halo is just, it's just a disguise. But if you look at the way that the song is structured, the verses are Sufjan speaking and the choruses are his mother speaking. Now, hmm. this is not literally his mother speaking, but if you, yeah. if you look at the, if you look up the lyrics and I think it, they're this way on Spotify, at least for the live version, the choruses are in quotation marks and that is his mother speaking. But I, I do want to call him out because while I think that the song is, is perfect as is those that's an idealized version of his mother. Mm -hmm. And he will admit that he will say that. So in an interview with the guardian uh, shortly after this record came out in 2015, March of 2015. So it's actually been a little over, eight years now. So I didn't plan that. But March, March 17th, 2015. So when he was being interviewed for the Guardian, he uh, talking about the emotions and stuff in the recording process, Sufjan said, quote, I was recording songs as a means of grieving, making sense of it. But the writing and recording wasn't the salve I expected. Hmm. I fell deeper and deeper into doubt and misery. It was a year of real darkness In the past my work had a real reciprocity of resources i would put something in and get something from it but not this time i think you see that reflected in a song like this where he's idealizing his mother and he's trying to he's trying to convince himself of the fact that her leaving him at such a young age was the right thing to do and I think probably it was. I mean, who knows what how badly she could have messed him up. You know, it, it, as a as a little kid with being schizophrenic, that's got to be so confusing for mm-hmm. for a child. And, and then I also think that Sufyan, he he's had some mental health issues, and he's carries some of that fear that he might end up with some of the same problems as his mother and. We're, we're always wrapped up in repeating the sins of our, of our fathers, repeating the sins of our parents and how like, I don't want to be anything like my dad or anything like my mom. I want to be better. I want to be, and I think all parents want that of their kids, all good parents. Let me, let me rephrase that. Yeah. Want that of their kids. My mother always told me like when she would be, she would be on my ass about something and, and just like, wouldn't leave me alone about some situation. And of course, as a, preteen teenager, I'd be like, why are you constantly on me about this? And she would say, because I want you to be better because I want you to not make the same mistakes I made and not do the, the messed up and the wrong things that I did. And so good parents want that from their children, but it's almost like this little psychological worm, right? That, that gets into your brain and is like, you know, well, genetically (laughs) I'm, I'm, predisposition to, to do these things, you know, to be an alcoholic or to be a drug addict or to to leave my family or my kids for whatever reason. And it, it's like telling someone, oh, you can be anything you want to be when you grow up. It's like, yeah, why would you say that? Because <laughs> as if there was any other option, right? Yeah. As if there was any other thing why would you put that like, that's like putting doubt into a child. It's telling
1: them that, that there are people who are, who think that you can't, you know, Yeah. (laughs) that there are boundaries and that you have to break those boundaries. It's like, well, in a sense there are, but you know, you don't want to impose those societal boundaries on them at such a young age, you know?
0: Yeah. He says in that final chorus, make the most of your life while it is rife, while it is light that's it right that that's his mother talking right and it's just don't don't do don't beat yourself up don't live and wallow in what may have been or what could have been like make make the most of it now Mm. that word rife is so good because Mm. you just don't see that in music you don't see that in song lyrics really but rife meaning abundant uh and overflowing uh alive just being alive that's kind of what the the essence of what rife means
1: yeah it seems like a lot of times it's um it's used in con uh, in a negative context it's like rife with doubt or uh rife with woe or with with guilt rife with Mm -hmm. guilt yeah like it's a lot of negative things but really yeah i never thought about that it is a it's a sense of abundance even though it's typically paired with something negative you know yeah it's yeah, it's it's a lot deeper and more full meaning than that. It's
0: man, it's he's just such a good songwriter. Yeah, to to use that to take a word that, like you said, is it connotes something negative, usually has something negative with it, and to to make it something good and mm-hmm. something positive.
1: Yeah, he, this this song in particular reminds me both, and, and not to compare them. But it does remind me of both David Crowder and the way that this song builds in the live version and the yeah. intensity of Joseph. It's yeah. It's I don't really have words. <laughs> it's just that that's yeah. kind of all I got. It's kinda of hard. Like I said, unless I'm going to spend, you know, twenty pages of, of an essay to comment on this song, I it's I don't really have much else to say. It's it's a lot.
0: Yeah. And he for for people who aren't familiar with Sufyan. He's one that we could easily deep dive. But when I say easily, I just mean the sheer volume of his work. But it's one that I just don't know that we ever really could Mm -hmm. because it it's (laughs) he has so much and it's so expansive and and it covers so many different genres. Like if you haven't listened to Sufjan there's really not a place I can tell you to start mm-hmm. because it, it would depend on your genre leanings, like what you prefer. It, it would be like you pre-
1: telling someone yeah. uh, where to start exploring the ocean floor.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. It's like, just get out there and do it. But if you want something that's a little more folksy acoustic based, you could go Michigan, his album, Michigan, you could go seven swans. Those are two really good folksy records. If you wanted to go more some cool like string and horn arrangements and brass arrangements, you could listen to something like Illinois.
1: Illinois. If
0: you, <laughs> yeah, come on, feel the Illinois. If you wanted to listen to something really glitchy, like almost house music, like
1: hard to dark, listen to
0: dark, <laughs> dark, dark pop industrial kind of sound. The Age of Odds and The Ascension. The Ascension is his most recent uh full-length record. Th- those two albums are very poppy, but not in the traditional sense of the word. Yeah. Like he he structures these synthetic beats and it's it's unexpected. Did and, he give yeah, up like, on the state by to state? Listen to for sure.
1: Did he give up on the state by state <laughs> album project?
0: Yeah. So okay, let's talk about the States project because I don't
1: <laughs> he got to Michigan,
0: Illinois, and I don't think there's any other ones after that, right? No. So, okay. So he, he, did, he came out with an album called Michigan. I think Michigan came out in 2000. I want to say it was 2004, 2003, something like that. And then Illinois was a couple of years later. And he, I think he kind of alluded to the fact that he was going to do a 50 states project at one point. But later on, he kind of admitted that the project was like a promotional gimmick, <laughs> and not one he really intended to see through. so it it was funny because he he kind of <laughs> kind of trolled people in the early days of trolling, I guess. yeah, i I think he could if anyone could have done a fifty states project, it's him because Michigan and Illinois, those two records are very informative. <laughs> Like yeah. they, they, he talks about famous people that come from those uh, states and inventions from those states and landmarks and lakes and geog- other geographical locations. It's it's pretty fascinating, but yeah, I I think probably for Sufyan's sanity, he uh, it's better time spent elsewhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like you uh, committing to fifty seasons of a TV show. <laughs> like, that's yeah, a bit much. Like
0: gray's anatomy or
1: <laughs> yeah but they don't put a lot of effort into it um
0: <laughs> oh man that's so true well that's all i got man you yeah. uh you got anything else you want to say
1: uh no uh, i think we <laughs> we didn't cover everything for sure about this song but oh no not at all and I look don't... i i didn't choose this particular
0: song for any notable reason i just when i when i'm feeling a certain way in my life, luke, you know what i'm talking about in this case, i i want to listen to stuff that makes me think and feel even if it the things i'm thinking and feeling have nothing to do with the situation at it, hand. Hey, yeah. it's just a comfort thing for me. sufyan's music has also always brought me comfort even when it makes me cry. <laughs> you know, it, it's a it's a comforting thing and so i just thought do i want to do one of his weird glitchy things and then i thought no, I don't want to turn people off to Sufyan <laughs> I'd rather ease you into ease you into it a little bit. But even at the end of this song, this live version, you can hear how he can kind of start to sound a little chaotic and off the yeah. rails, almost off the rails. Like he didn't yeah. never quite get to that level of chaos. But yeah, he controls if you it. listen to if you listen to Age of Odds, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's it's a wild, wild trip. And I would recommend tripping uh, if if you can do so in a safe manner. <laughs> but yeah, wild, wild stuff. Just such a great catalog of music. And I loved Sufjan.
1: <laughs> I have mixed feelings. We
0: are going to head out. Before we do, we always want to shout out our social media links. All of that can be found in the show notes as well as links to the songs. But I don't know why we never mention that at the beginning of every episode. But <laughs> all the pertinent links are in the show notes. As well as our email. If you want to email us, you can email us. That's also in the show notes. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will talk to you all next week. Always remember to love your neighbor. We're all going to die. Bye, guys.
1: Bye. Ask yourself.